0: Hello, this is Dihanesh from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Wednesday, the 18th of November. With an addition of over 38,000 fresh coronavirus cases in the last 24 hours, India's COVID tally breached the 89 lakh or 8.9 million mark. With over 470 fresh fatalities, the country's death toll neared the 1.31 lakh mark the 32% jump in the country's daily COVID cases as compared to yesterday can be attributed to an increase in testing. Testing finally touched 9.3 lakh after dropping to about 8 lakh over the weekend owing to Diwali festivities. This pushed up the national positivity rate to 4.1%. Prime Minister Narendra Modi and US President-elect Joe Biden had a telephonic conversation last night. They discussed their shared priorities and concerns over the COVID-19 pandemic, among other things. With multiple vaccines for COVID-19 in late-stage clinical trials, the Indian government is strategizing their distribution. Niti Ayog member, Dr. V.K. Paul, who heads the National Expert Group on Vaccine Administration, said, the government was relying on five candidates being clinically tested in India, since candidates like Pfizer and Moderna are yet to be granted licenses in India. These vaccines are also likely to be first delivered to countries that have already signed deals with these firms. The doses are likely to arrive in India months later. Paul added that the candidates being tested locally would be able to fulfill the large domestic requirements. Now for COVID updates from different states. Delhi recorded nearly double the number of fresh COVID cases over the last 24 hours as the number of tests went up. From about 3,800 cases yesterday, the city recorded over 6,300 cases. The number of tests went up from 30,000 to around 49,000. The number of deaths remained the same as yesterday at 99. This took the capital's COVID death toll to 7,812. From today, people coming from Delhi to Noida will be randomly tested for COVID-19, the administration of Gautam Budhnagar, Uttar Pradesh said. District Magistrate Suhas L.Y. told news agency PTI, and I quote In view of the rising cases of coronavirus in Delhi, the district magistrate has directed officials to form teams that would be deployed at Noida Delhi borders at DND and Chilla to randomly check people coming from the national capital for the infection, unquote. Kerala, while reporting a large number of fresh COVID cases every day, has been showing a steady decline in the number of active cases for the last three weeks. The state's active caseload has come down from a high of about 97,000 cases to about 70,000 cases now. This is still the second highest in the country after Maharashtra. For almost a month in September and October, Kerala saw its COVID cases grow at the fastest rate in the country. It had also started to report the highest number of cases leaving Maharashtra behind. Just a day after Jharkhand announced the ban on religious congregations on the banks of water bodies for Chhat Puja, Jharkhand CM Hemant Soren yesterday reversed the ban by allowing the celebrations at riverbanks if all COVID 19 protocols like social distancing and face coverings are followed. A 16-year-old rape complainant from Uttar Pradesh's Bulan Sheher died yesterday at a hospital in Delhi after she was set on fire, allegedly by the family of the accused. The girl's family filed a murder case against the accused's uncle, his wife, and five other people at Jahangirbad police station. According to police officials, the girl was earlier allegedly raped by the accused, who is a local resident, and her family was being pressurized to withdraw her complaint. She was set on fire by the accused name in the complaint after they failed to persuade her. Three of them have been arrested. In the video of the victim from the hospital, she can be heard perpetually saying, and I quote, there was an ongoing case of molestation by the same people who came today, unquote. The Bulan SSP, SK Singh said on the matter, and I quote, in August, a girl was raped by a man. He was arrested. The accused is currently in jail. On Tuesday, we received information that the same girl has been set on fire under suspicious circumstances. Till 11 p.m., it appeared she had attempted suicide. But as per the family's complaint, seven people tried to emulate her. Unquote. The victim's uncle has said that the family was being threatened to withdraw the rape case and have a decision in the panchayat. Around 8.30 p.m. Monday, he had received a call from an unknown number and the caller threatened and told the family to withdraw the case or face consequences. At 9.30 a.m. Tuesday, when the girl's parents were not at home, the family was told that she had been set on fire. He added, and I quote, We rushed her to a nearby hospital and they referred us to Bulan From there, we were asked to go to RML in Delhi. Doctors treated her for 15-20 minutes. She was declared dead. Unquote. The FIR names 7 people and they have been booked for an attempt to murder, rioting, criminal intimidation, trespass and relevant sections of SCST Act. After the victim died, the police said that the FIR would be updated to add Section 302 for murder. The Bombay High Court today directed the authorities to shift 80-year-old Telugu poet Varvara Rao from Taloja Jail to Nanavati Hospital for 15 days. Rao had been named as one of the accused in the Bhima Koregao case. The court said that Rao's treatment would be taken care of by the state government and his family would be allowed to visit him as per the hospital's norms. Rao will not be discharged from the hospital without the court's permission. The high court bench comprising Justices S.S. Shinde and Madhav Jamdar said, and I quote, He needs some treatment. Can the state say, no, we will treat him in Taloja? We are only saying transfer him to Nanavati for two weeks. We will see further after two weeks. Unquote. The High Court was hearing a plea filed by Rao's wife, P. Hemlata, seeking his release from Taloja Central Jail, where he is lodged. Hemlata said he has not been given proper medical attention in jail since 2018 and requested the court allow him to be shifted to Nanavati Hospital. Rao had earlier undergone treatment at Nanavati Hospital after he tested positive for COVID-19 earlier this year. During the hearing, Himalata's counsel, Indira Jai Singh said, and I quote, He is bedridden, having dementia, and has developed severe urinary conditions. If he is not removed, he will lose his life in prison. It is going to be a case of custodial death. Unquote. The National Investigation Agency, in its response to the court, said, that Rao's condition was not good, but doctors at the jail were regularly observing and checking his condition and providing all necessary treatment. Rao is the second oldest activist named and arrested in the Bhima Koregao case after 83-year-old tribal activist Stan Swami. In August this year, News Laundry's Manisha Pandey had done an interview with writer and the nephew of Varvara Rao, N. Venugopal Rao. In the interview, Venu Gopal explained how the family was allowed a 20-minute-long video call with Varvara by the Mumbai's Nanavati Hospital, where he was shifted earlier for his COVID-19 treatment. Varvara had seemed both physically and psychologically unwell at that time, his nephew said. Regarding his uncle's involvement in Bhima Koregaon case, Venugopal Gopal pointed out how the Elgar Parishad event, which preceded the violence in December 2017, had been organized by retired justices B.G. Kolse Patil and P.B. Savant, who have already stated that they were the main organizers and sole funders. Varvara had never even visited Pune until the Pune police came to take him to jail in November 2018, he added. To watch the full interview, head over to newslaundry.com The interview was published on the 7th of August and can be found under the NL Interviews section. While you are there, also check out the podcasts, ground reports, interviews, videos, media critique, and much, much more on newslaundry.com. We are an independent news platform, and it would not be possible to do all this work if not for our subscribers who fund us. So if you aren't a subscriber already, now is the time to join the movement to keep news free and independent. Hit the subscribe button at the top right-hand corner of our website. Lowest subscription starts at Rs. 300 a month only. Pay to keep news free. 11 people were killed and close to 17 injured after a mini-truck collided with a goods trailer at Vagodya Crossroads near Vadodara in Gujarat this morning. The police said that the group was headed to Pawagat Temple where the accident took place. The 11 people who died were from Surat City. The others who were injured are undergoing treatment at Vadodara's SSG hospital. The Zonal Deputy Commissioner of Police said, and I quote, The accident occurred around 3 a.m. There were around 26 persons, including a 5-year-old child, travelling in the Aishar. They were all related to each other and from the Varacha area of Surat. They had planned to visit Pavagat Temple and then proceed to Dakor. Of the injured, 9 persons died after being brought to SSG hospital for treatment. About 17 others are under treatment. We are trying to gather more details from those who are in a position to talk. We primarily know that the Aisha truck rammed into the trailer that was moving ahead of it. Vadodara district collector, top police officials, as well as the medical superintendent of SSG hospital reached the hospital to review the situation of the injured. While the mini truck is registered in Gujarat, the trailer has a Karnataka state registration. Prime Minister Narendra Modi and BJP President J.P. Nadda conveyed their condolences through Twitter this morning. Madhya Pradesh Chief Minister Shivrat Singh Chauhan today announced the state government's decision to form a cow cabinet for the protection of cows in the state. Mr. Chauhan announced the animal husbandry, forest, panchayat, rural development, home, and farmer welfare departments to be a part of the cow cabinet. He wrote on Twitter that the first meeting will be held on November 22nd at 12 noon on Gopashtmi at Gau Sanctuary in Agar Malwa. According to a Hindustan Times report, Kamdhenu Gau Abhyaran in Agar Malwa is India's first cow sanctuary, which was set up by Chauhan's government in 2017. It was developed by the Madhya Pradesh Gau Samwardhan board on a budget of Rs. 32 crores. The sanctuary, which is spread across 472 hectares, was later privatized due to financial crises. According to Deepak Vijayvargir, chief spokesperson for the BJP in Madhya Pradesh, the decision for a cow cabinet is aimed at developing an alternative source of rural employment by harnessing the potential of cows and the resources available through it. He added that through this cabinet, the government would provide a sustainable infrastructure for developing a cow economy to raise incomes in the rural setup. He further added that this economy centered around cows in the rural setup will also prove to be eco-friendly. Now moving on to some international updates. The global coronavirus tally crossed the 55.5 million mark in the last 24 hours. Around 1.34 million people across the world have succumbed to the virus so far. India, U.S. and Brazil continue to have the highest caseload. The U.S. medical establishment has joined forces to urge Donald Trump to share crucial data with the president-elect Joe Biden. An open letter from three leading healthcare organizations said this is imperative to save American lives and prevent the country's healthcare system from being overwhelmed. The letter came in midst of the state and local governments scrambling to fight the virus in the absence of a coordinated national strategy. The United Nations announced yesterday that it is releasing $100 million in aid for seven countries that include Ethiopia. This has been done to help them avoid famine because of the coronavirus pandemic. Ethiopia, where a fight has broken out between the central government and the northern Tigray region, will receive one-fifth of this sum. The other recipients will be Afghanistan, Burkina Faso, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Nigeria, South Sudan, and Yemen. Mark Locock, UN Under Secretary General for Humanitarian Affairs said, and I quote, No one should view a slide into famine as an inevitable side effect of this pandemic. Unquote. The UK's Business Secretary, Alok Sharma today, refused to apologize for a lack of transparency in country spending of over 18 billion pounds of taxpayer money to secure personal protection equipment. He said the government was under huge pressure to supply to the front line. Donald Trump on Tuesday fired the director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, Christopher Krebs. The decision came after Krebs tweeted a report citing 59 election security experts saying there is no credible evidence of computer fraud in the 2020 election outcome. The firing is a result of Donald Trump refusing to recognize the victory of the Democrat President-elect Joe Biden. Trump has been firing officials he sees as insufficiently loyal. On 9th November this year, Defense Secretary Mark Esper, who opposed the use of U.S. troops on the streets, was fired too. Mr. Krebs, a former Microsoft executive, ran the CISA from the time of its creation in the wake of the Russian interference in the 2016 elections. He gathered bipartisan praise for his efforts at coordinating federal, state, and local efforts to defend the electoral systems from foreign and domestic interference. Donald Trump responded to Krebs' tweet by saying, and I quote, Effective immediately, Chris Krebs has been terminated as director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, unquote. Responding to this, Krebs tweeted, and I quote again, honored to serve, we did it right. Defend today, secure tomorrow, unquote. He closed with the phrase, Protect 2020, which has been his agency slogan ahead of the elections. In the last few days, Krebs had constantly pushed back against the claims that the election was tainted. Now for some homegrown stuff from newslaundry.com. For the second time in two months, the Modi government has told the Supreme Court that media reporting on the Tablighi Jamaat congregation held in Delhi in March this year was balanced and neutral. In a fresh affidavit dated 13th November, the centre dishonestly used newslaundry reports highlighting hate on TV channels to shore up its weak argument. You can check out my colleague Ayush Tiwari's story titled Giving TV News a Pass, Centre Says Media Didn't communalize Tablighi Jamaat Congregation. That's all I have for you today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform.